Okay, well, it hadn't getting, gotten better uh, since then. So today we see this really interesting, quirky text in Scripture about people who are fighting in the Philippian church. Let's review just for a second in case you're kind of, let, let's get you up to speed. Philippians is a letter that a guy by the name of Paul wrote. He went to a town called Philippi. He started a church there. Then he left to do other work, but he writes them back. And they had sent him a gift, and so this is kind of a thank you note. But also in this letter, he this is super interesting, he addresses an issue in the church. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, we've got this relationship, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Verse 2, quirky. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Sinkati Tikiti. That's how you say it. Uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. You got Synthiki and Uodia, and they're evidently having a fight. And Paul basically says to the leaders of the church, help them through this argument. Now, there are some reasons for this. Because God wants us to get along. Just like any father wants his children to get along, we want our kids to get along. Well, our Heavenly Father wants us to get along. And it is really difficult to get along, especially, it seems, in the church. Let me tell you this story about this, uh, these guys on an island. Six guys landed on a, a deserted island. Two of them were Jewish, two of them were Catholic, two of them were Baptists. kind of how it happened. The Jewish guys got together and they formed Temple El Bethel. And they, they had their own worship services. And the two Catholic guys, they, they formed a, a church, the Church of the Holy Rosaries. And the two Baptist guys fought about who ought to be called First Baptist Church. I mean, it's kind of how it works. We, we have this tendency to not get along. And it's almost as if we look for something to be offended by, or we look for something to cause trouble. And so, Paul in this letter says, you guys really need to stop that. When we become Christians, our sin nature, unfortunately, doesn't just disappear. And so, just like anybody else, we have a tendency, if we're not careful, as followers of Christ, to be prideful or selfish, and these things can cause arguments and conflict. And it wasn't just Adam and Eve... Here's what I like about the Bible. I like the Bible a lot because it talks a lot about real stuff. You had Adam and Eve, sure, but you had Joseph was in conflict with most of his brothers. You had Moses who was in conflict with his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam. Uh, you, you had um, Abraham and you had Lot and, and you had David and his son uh, Absalom were in conflict with one another. And before that, Saul was in conflict with David. And story after story after story of people in conflict. And it's not just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you've got Paul and you've got Peter. And evidently they had an argument because, look, it says, um, oh, well, this is the disciples. First, let me tell you about them. When Jesus was in the house, he called all his disciples. This is Jesus and his boys. And he says, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because as they were on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. At least it was important. I mean, they were arguing about something important. But they argued, right? And then you had um, Peter and Paul. And this is Paul writing, and he says, When Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him. I had, can you just read this sassy? I had to oppose him to his face. Uh, that's kind of that's that's how I read it. 
for what he did was very wrong. P- Peter had, had come, uh, he was Jewish, you know, when he was with the Jewish people, he kind of did Jewishy stuff. And then when he went to the Gentiles, he hang out and he did Gentile stuff. And then, though, when some Jews came, he was doing Gentile stuff and he quit because he was afraid of his relationship with the Jewish people. And so Paul called him on the carpet. Now, it's not as if Paul never made a mistake. There's a story in Scripture. There's this really cool cat by the name of Barnabas. Barnabas was this super encourager, and he had a a cousin, John Mark, and, and they went on a missionary trip together, and John Mark and Paul and and Barnabas were on this missionary journey, and John Mark, for whatever reason, no, we really don't know, but he kind of split. And so it was time for the second missionary journey, and Barnabas says, hey, let's take John Mark again. And Paul was like, no, I mean, he's kind of, he kind of wimped out last time. We're not going to take him. And there was this conflict, and it was a big conflict, and Barnabas and Paul, who had been friends for a long time, decided to split ways over this particular issue. And, and eventually, Paul admits that he was wrong and there's conflict in scripture now the truth of the matter is if we think about life it's it's relatively unlikely that you and i aren't going to enter into conflict with somebody someplace sometime even within the church we're going to have conflict with people and so from this text perhaps we can glean a little bit of uh, a path what can we do when we're in conflict to get out of conflict? So I'm going to show you some things. If you have your program when you came in, there's an outline there. You might want to look at it, and we're going to fill in some blanks. If you want to do that, that's there for you. Number one, facts about getting along. It really is important to God that we get along. Have you ever wondered? I mean, it's sort of interesting to me that this text is included in Holy Scripture Paul saying to two ladies, you all should get along, and hey, church, help them get along. I mean, all the things God could talk about. He he includes this little text about this little argument in Scripture. Well, it's important because God wants us to get along. It's sort of a big deal to him that we, we get along. In fact, our kids are a reflection of us as parents. Some of you have kids like this. and uh, or, No, no, let, let, let's do this. You've seen kids like this. None of us. But you've seen. And, and it's a reflection. If you're at a restaurant and there's a kid over there eating spaghetti with their fingers, that's a reflection on the parents. And if that's you, I'm not judging you, but you should fix that. Uh, if kids are rude or they're disruptive or they're uh, whatever, it's a reflection on the parents. And so if... If God's children can't get along, it is a reflection on him as a parent. I had a friend, I got a buddy named Tim. Tim uh, was a pastor for a while. and uh, Let me preface all this. We're from Kentucky, okay? So it really is important to understand where we're from. Tim had a a pastor at a church in Kentucky, and for some reason one day he decided it was going to be a good idea to get highlights in his hair. Better than a mullet, but still, uh, it was highlights. So he goes to church. This little girl, four or five years old, named Alice, just is staring at him. Like, what did you do? So Tim, you know, kind of leans down and he said, Alice, what are you looking at? And she said, it's your hair. And he said, yeah, I got highlights. I like them. And she said, have you seen it? Uh, You know, it's like, really? 
Well, that's a reflection on bad parenting. Uh, really, uh, if, if you don't like it, just don't say anything. Over and over in Scripture, there's this, this uh, challenge to get along. So then, let us aim for harmony. <laughs> this should be a goal of ours. Let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And in Ephesians, it says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Over, and this is just a couple of samplings of the many times the Bible tells us to try and get along. Try to get along with one another. It's important to God that we get along because it's a reflection of God when we get along or when we don't get along. So number one, it's important to God. Number two, it requires effort. Now look at what he says here. I plead with Odia and I plead with Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I plead, I am begging you. This is really important. If, if it wasn't important, I mean, what do you plead for? Like if you get pulled over by the popo, what do you plead for? Uh, uh, mercy, I, I need mercy. You know, I was uh, late to a funeral, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we plead, uh, we, when, we, when do we plead? Well, we plead when it's really important to us. And he's pleading because it's really important to you. Now think about these ladies. We don't know anything about them other than they made the Bible for being in an argument. You, you went down in history as the two ladies who were arguing from the Bible. I, I mean, just think about it. That's really pretty <laughs> notorious. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you're going to go to a dinner party and you're going to say, Hi, I'm Euodia. And they're going to go, Oh, the one in the Bible that argues? Uh, and that's kind of what, what this was about for these two. And, and it's going to take for us effort to get along. I, I think that's why the Bible spends so much time on it. It's going to take efforts. Now, let's hit the pause button just for a second. We'll call time out. There are certain things you're probably not going to get along on. If, if it's a doctrinal issue sometimes, if some people don't believe in right doctrine and you have a, a different idea of doctrine, sometimes what you do is you sort of agree to, to disagree. Doc, doctrinal things are, are incredibly important. But what Paul is talking about here is, it's unlikely, scholars believe, it's unlikely this was doctrinal, because their church was new. They really couldn't fight about that yet, more than likely. Th this was probably a personality thing, and, and, and Paul begs them. And I, I, love, I love to watch... <laughs> mothers try to make peace with their kids. Have you ever seen a mother painstakingly sort of count the sprinkles on the top of a cupcake so that nobody can think they got more than the other? That, this is kind of the notion behind this language. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Sinkiki. I'm going to, to, to plead because at church, this ought to be a place where we get along with one another. It ought to be the safest place on the planet. And, and Statistically, it is. Let me show you something. Safety statistics. 20% of, of all fatal accident, accidents happen in automobiles. 17% of all accidents happen in the home. 16% of all accidents occur when traveling by air or rail. 15% of all accidents happen to pedestrians. Now, look at this. Look at this stat. One one one-thousandth one of a percent of all accidents happen in church. Church is the safest place. You should use this when you're inviting people to church. 
Say stuff like, hey, would you like to come to church? And they're going to say, well, no, I'm going to be out in the boat. And this is, what, this is how you respond. It's like, okay, well, be safe. I, I, hope, I hope I get to talk to you again uh, because uh, that's a death wish. Uh, so if you would rather pick church, uh, uh, I mean, a, a boat over church. But, but this ought to be a place where we get along. Now, let me show you a couple verses. These are cool. Romans, again, this is a Paul writing a church in Rome. And he says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. This is one of my favorite verses. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. <laughs> that is chock full of advice on how to get along. Number one, you have to be humble. The first thing is you have to consider that it might be possible that you're wrong. If you're in conflict with somebody, it is distinctly possible that you're wrong. I have been in arguments, just mostly I'm talking to men because I think men, this happens a lot. We're in an argument and all of a sudden there's a fact that's revealed that's, that says to you, you know, you're wrong, you, re, you understand you're wrong. The light bulb goes off, you're in an argument, but all of a sudden you know you're, you've been wrong about it. It is so hard to back out of that. Yeah, I'm wrong, man. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to own this wrongness. Some of us would rather win the argument than restore the friendship. I, I've been in arguments before where I knew I was wrong, and by golly, I was going to go down punching because I, I want to win. And what he's saying here is, look, sometimes live in harmony. Don't be proud. Sometimes you have to simply admit you're wrong. One of my dad's favorite old stories was about a cowboy. He goes into a, a blacksmith shop. That's how old the story is. And this blacksmith was uh, creating horseshoes. And this cowboy picks up a horseshoe, but it had recently come out of the fire, and it was blazing hot. And the cowboy kind of picks it up and drops it real fast and sticks his hand in his pocket. And, and the... The blacksmith said, it was pretty hot, wasn't it? And the cowboy said, no, I just don't take me long to look at a horseshoe. Uh, that was kind of, my daddy loved that story. And it's difficult, especially for men, to admit when we're wrong. So, number one, we have to be humble. Number two, you have to want to get along. It has to be a desire of ours. You have to want to. If you're contrary, then you're going to be contrary. You have to want to. Ladies, you want to know why men, your husbands aren't fixing the stuff around the house you want them to fix? They don't want to. Can I get a witness? I mean, that's just the truth. We either don't know how to, we don't think it needs to, or we can't afford it. But there's a reason we don't want to. You have to want to. And so part of this whole thing is, look, there's a desire and you have to desire. When, when he says, live in harmony, what he's saying is, this has got to be kind of what you are known for. This is what you are about. This is who you are. This is your reputation. Hey, that guy likes to get along with people. He, he, he's going to get along. He's going to look for commonality. And then there are times when we just have to have an ability to agree to disagree. We're not going to argue about this. I'm not going to keep fighting over it. We're just going to be friends. We're going to be friendly. We're going to disagree, but we're not going to be disagreeable. 
We're just going to choose to let this thing go. It is possible, as far as it depends on you. Now, some other people, other folks might not let you off the hook, or they might want to keep being mad. Because somebody's mad at you or wants to argue with you doesn't mean you have to argue back. You have a choice. You can just say, I'm not going to argue about this. Jesus, if he was nothing else, he was a brilliant teacher. He, he, and he was more than that. I, I believe he was the son of God. I believe he died for our sins. I believe he lived a perfect life. But if he was nothing else, in, in Matthew 18, he talks about how to deal with conflict. And he said, if, if you two Christians, if you two followers of mine are in conflict with another, one another, first thing you do is you go look face to face. You, you meet each other. You, you chat with one another. Because here's what Jesus knew. This is amazing to me. Before there, were, there was Facebook and text messaging and, and all that kind of thing, Jesus knew that face-to-face conflicts are rarely as... Look, you say stuff when you're writing, not face-to-face, that you never say to somebody's face. Have you ever seen on, something on Facebook and you go, oh, I can't believe they said that. They wouldn't, probably wouldn't say that in person. One of the greatest things you can do... I understand about getting mad. I, I get that. I understand about this need to vent. I get it. There, there's, there's email. And, and you write the email. You're a you know, gravy sucking pig. What, whatever you want to put on there. You know. uh, I can't believe you did that. And you write it and then you save it as draft. Save as draft. And then you go take a walk for about four miles. You, you take a walk. You need to think. Clear your head. You write that really mean email. And you save as draft. And then you walk. And then you come back and you pull it up and you hit delete. All right? That's what you do. Because you don't, you don't have to say everything you're thinking. And so Jesus said, hey, if you're in conflict, you go to that person directly. This is <laughs> Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if you all know who that was, but a couple hundred years ago, Charles Spurgeon was this great preacher. And, and he writes this, For people to dwell together is not always wise. For experience teaches us that better, sometimes it's better a little apart. And it is shameful for them to dwell together in disunion. They had much better part in peace like Abraham and Lot than to dwell together in envy like Joseph's brothers. Sometimes the best thing you can do is walk away. You're in conflict, maybe. You just... Walk away. Jesus said, hey, you get together, you try to work it out. If that doesn't work, you bring a, a, a moderator. We're going to talk about that in just a second. In fact, let's go right there. Sometimes in order to get along, it requires outside help. Now look what he says. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Now, there's this kind of, y- y'all know there's like this, there, there's these commentaries about scripture and, and one of the, their, their commentaries, there's this kind of debate about who he's talking to when he says, uh, you, my true companion. Who's he talking to? Who is he encouraging to be the moderator, the mediator between these two ladies? Well, here, here's how the debate goes. Some people believe it's, uh, um, Epaphroditus, remember we talked about him for chapter 2, and 
He's the one that brings this note back. And maybe he's saying, hey, uh, Epi, we need you to take care of this situation. There, there's some, some scholars believe it was Paul's wife he's writing to, uh, who evidently, according to tradition and, and history, um, she stayed at Philippi once he planted the church. So maybe he's saying to his wife, hey, you get involved in this and, and help. Some people believe that this word, true companion, it, is sudzugos. It's a, it, it could be somebody's name. Now, I know y'all, some of y'all looking for baby names, and so now I'm, I'm helping you out. Cam, where are you? I know y'all picked already. I, I, I know you talk, we talked about it. I'm just going to put this seed in your mind, okay? Because nobody else is going to have that one, all right? I, you know, but some people think that was a name. When he was saying, hey, Sudsy, uh, why don't you, I mean, what a cool nickname is that, Sudsy. Uh, I mean, Sudsy, just go with Sudsy. Uh, you know, you can put off, don't even you, you goss, that's no good. Sudsy, hey, why don't you help these girls, why don't you help these ladies get along? Because sometimes you need help getting along. And so there's, there's this notion of, hey, let's, let's include somebody to help us. Jesus talked about this. Now, if you include somebody, here's the temptation. I'm going, if I'm in an argument with somebody, my temptation is going to be, I'm going to pick somebody that agrees with me. That, that's not wise. Because then it looks like you're ganging up. Here's what you need to know about a, a godly mediator. Number one, they're mature. They're spiritually mature. Uh, When I was a youth pastor, I just used to love it when one of my kids would say, uh, you know, they're they're 15, and they'd say, you know, I talked to my friend, and this is the advice they gave me. They're 15. They're telling you about love at 15. And, you know, bless their hearts, and we say that in the South because you know what that means. Bless their hearts. They don't know what they're talking about. You need to get mature, somebody mature spiritually who isn't necessarily going to take your side. You just want somebody that's going to mediate and be honest and fair. Secondly, you want them to be objective. Did you notice this? Because this is interesting to me. When Paul writes this, he puts verbs in front of both names. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche. I'm I'm not picking sides here. Now, if I wrote it, I would have said I plead with Euodia and Syntyche, but not him. Intuitively or instinctively or inspired, he, he puts a verb in front of both names because he wants to make sure that they understand he is being completely fair. I plead with both of you equally that this is something that you should work out. Kind of a third thing, a godly mediator will tell you the truth. We will speak the truth in love, but they're going to speak the truth in love. Here's the thing I've noticed about arguments there's always two sides to every story I, I have I have had somebody come to me and say hey here's the situation and I'm like wow it's bad and then you go talk to the other person it's like they give you their story and it's like oh that's not exactly what I heard because people have a tendency our human nature we have a tendency to shade things to our side and so you find a mediator who's going to be completely fair and speak lovingly and encouraging and positive. I, I love, P- Paul was like, these ladies, this is what he doesn't say. These ladies are tearing up the church. No, no. 
They contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Their, their names are in the book of life. They, these are my friends. They're both my friends. They, they both work hard. They, they both are, are great ladies. These are great people. They're, they're just in a disagreement. Encourage them to get out of a disagreement. That's all he's saying. When we disagree, by nature, we try to win the argument. And what Paul is saying, it's more important to seek unity. Sometimes you may have to swallow your pride and say, you know what, I was wrong, or this really isn't that important. Let's just not argue about this anymore. This is so important to Jesus that on the, on the hours before his crucifixion, th- this is what he prays. I pray that all of these people, all of my followers, he's saying, continue to have unity in the way that you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they might be united with us so that the world will believe that you sent me. He, he, he didn't pray particularly for power or boldness or comfort. He prayed for unity. He prayed for our unity. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. All people will know if you love one another. Let me tell you this story. All people will know you are my disciples. Look, look at the name of this. This is Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. The day I found this picture, I put it in my PowerPoint. As soon as I put the picture in my PowerPoint, I looked at the news. Evidently, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky uh, elected a dog as their mayor. So uh, this is quite a place. has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell you. I just thought I would uh, add that. So uh, for your knowledge, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, uh, are, they're stupid. Okay, all right, all right, here we go. This is a general store, picture of a general store, just because this is kind of the, the premise of the story. There's a, an older gentleman who runs the general store. It's kind of at the outskirts of town. It's the first place you come into as you're going into a town. And, and in the summers, his eight-year-old granddaughter would work there with him. Now, on this particular day, this story goes, that a man came into town and he said, I'm looking to relocate, and I'm wondering what kind of people are in this town because the last town I lived in, or the town I currently live in that I'm moving from, people are gossipy, and they have a tendency to, to get sideways with one another, and, and they are in conflict all the time, and I, I'm just, I'm kind of trying to get away from that. If I move here, is, is that the kind of thing I'm going to find? And the grandfather of this little girl said, you know, it is, because there are a lot of people here that are gossip, and there are a lot of people here looking for trouble, and you're probably not going to like it here. And the guy thanked him for his honesty, and he went down the road. As it would happen, another traveler looking to relocate comes into the store, and approaches the grandfather and said, hey, I'm looking for a new place to live. A couple hundred um, miles up the road is where I currently live, and I have great friends there, and we've loved living there, but I need to get closer to my work, and this is really, really close. Would this be a good place to live? And the grandfather said, oh, absolutely. We would welcome you here. There are great people who live here. And the man thanks him, and he walks out of the store. And Now, the eight-year-old granddaughter is confused. And she said, Granddaddy, why, why would you lie? And the grandfather said, I, I didn't lie. And she said, but you told the one guy there were gossipy people and, and ornery people here. But the other man, you said there are good people and kind people here. That doesn't make any sense. And the wise grandfather said, 
you find what you're looking for. The one man is going to look for conflict, and he'll find it because you can find it everywhere. And the one man is looking for goodness, and he'll find it because it's also everywhere. The Bible instructs us that we need to be people who are folks who promote harmony and unity. So our challenge this week, and maybe today, and maybe on the way out the door, And maybe when you get to the restaurant or when you get home or this week at work, the challenge for us is to be people who promote unity because it reflects our commitment to Christ. Our promotion of unity reflects our commitment to Christ. So let me pray for us that we would take the challenge and live up to this responsibility. Father, we thank you for today and for the opportunity you've given us to look in your word. And we're, while it's a quirky little verse, we're happy that it was included because it gave us opportunity to talk about how to get along with one another. Help us do it, and help us do it really well. Father, we're thankful for the fact that you love us and that you care enough about us to instruct us in what to do. And help us to reflect well who you are by our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.